If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I hope you do. I want to encourage you to open them to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. As you're finding your place there in God's Word, I want to welcome all those who are joining us via our live stream each week. So many join with us in that way, and we're grateful for each and every one of you. Also, the venue service meeting right down the hall and Reach Church DeSoto. If you've never been out to Reach Church, at some point, you ought to go out there to DeSoto and worship with Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh. You'll be blessed by it. God's doing a great work out there, and we're excited to have them joining us with, the, joining with us this morning. We come to the close of our study together, in this fashion anyway, in the book of Revelation. Um, it's a bittersweet uh, time for me. Uh, on the one hand, I'm excited about what we have coming this summer and then this fall. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a little sad because I don't know when we'll have an opportunity to study through it in this way again. Certainly, we'll read through Revelation. Hopefully, you're reading through Revelation various times throughout the year. But you know, we study through books of the Bible and we're seeking to get through all of it at some point or another. I don't, I don't know when we'll be back together to study it in this way. And I, looking back over this past year, almost a year ago when we started this, um, we've only scratched the surface. There's so much here that I've missed. Uh, and so it's, it's a little bittersweet. But I pray, as it has for me, it has done for you, that it's changed me. I don't know any study of any book that has challenged me more, encouraged me more, and changed me more. And I pray you've had the same experience, and changed not because we gained greater knowledge, but changed because we saw Christ, which is the whole purpose of the book of Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not, not the revelation of Christ by John, but the revelation of Christ by himself. It's the whole purpose of the book. In fact, as we look at chapter 22, I wish we had time. There's so many similarities between chapter 1 and chapter 22 that we kind of end where we began with a simple revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this book. The primary purpose is not to just uh, answer the curious questions of our mind about future events. The primary purpose of this book is not to give us detailed charts of end times. The primary purpose of this book, God inspired this book to reveal Jesus. We'd see Christ, our King, in all of his majesty and who he is, what he's done, and what he, what he will do. But the question we have to ask ourselves as we come to the end of this book is, so what? What do we do with this? How shall we live in light of what we have learned? And I believe these, these final verses really give us a good summary of what God has taught us, how Revelation instructs us. So I, I don't normally like lists, but I'm going to give you seven things. Seven things, I think, this morning that, that Revelation teaches on the basis of these final verses. We're going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to begin in verse 6. I know we covered it last week, but I want us to look back just a little bit as well. So let me, let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. God, what a joy it has been to study the book of Revelation. You have said, blessed is he 
who reads and heeds the words of this book. God, I pray that we would not just simply be a people whose heads are filled with more knowledge, but that we'd have hearts that are bowed in worship to you. God, we pray that you would continue to change us by means of your word, even this morning. I pray that you'd help us to lay aside anything that might be distracting us this morning. We come with open hearts and teachable minds to be instructed by your word. We're hungry for you. You have said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need to hear your voice today. And to the one who doesn't know you, maybe watching online, maybe at Reach Church in DeSoto, maybe in the venue service, I pray, Lord, that you would speak into their heart, draw them unto yourself. Even as Christ said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I pray that you would draw some this morning and they'd see the glory of Christ and they'd know his salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look with me, beginning in verse six. It says, he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the first thing that, the, the first thing that I see here is that Revelation teaches us to live with a sense of urgency. Revelation teaches us to live with a sense of urgency. It says here, these are the events must, that must soon take place. He said this exact same thing in chapter one. I'm gonna reveal to you the things that must soon take place. We even hear Christ say, I'm coming quickly. We'll see it again in verse 12. We'll see it again in verse 20. These are the last words of Christ in the New Testament. And he says them over and over again. I am coming quickly. Remember the, the last words of God in the Old Testament See, so he signs off in the book of Malachi prior to the intertestamental period, that 400-year separation between Malachi and Matthew. The last words of God in the Old Testament is, I'm coming. He says the forerunner is going to come first, the prophet Elijah, and then Christ will come. And guess what happened in the Gospels? Christ came. Just as God said he would. And then you'll remember when Christ ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, he ascends to heaven. And the disciples are doing what? They're doing the same thing I would have been doing. They're staring up into heaven. And you remember the angel shows up to him and says, What are you doing? Stop staring into heaven. Get to work. Because just as he left, so he's coming back someday. And here is the message of Christ to us. The last words from the New Testament. I am coming quickly over and over again, that this is the next great event on God's calendar. It's a reminder to us as believers, a challenge to not grow complacent, but to always be on our toes, anticipating and preparing for Christ's return. It's a reminder that we don't have an unlimited amount of time to share the good news of Christ, that the gospel invitation is not open-ended that at some point the day of grace will be over and all men will be account, called to count for their lives. Oh, Revelation teaches us, if anything, it teaches us to live with urgency, to live understanding that the days are evil as Moses instructs us in Psalm 90. Number your days, for the days are evil. Then look at verses eight and nine. I, I John, and the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, don't do that. 
I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. The second thing that Revelation teaches us is it teaches us to worship Christ with humility. Here we see John again for a second time. He's so overwhelmed by the glory of Christ that he almost makes the gross mistake of worshiping an angel. There's a lot of commentators that rebuke John. He should know better. He's an apostle. And this is the second time he's done this. But listen to me. Put yourself in the shoes of John. As we've been studying, he's just seen the glory of Christ revealed in the eternal state. He's got a taste of what it would be like to live in the the physical presence of Christ for all eternity. And his reaction is to fall on his knees and worship. He has kind of an instinctive desire to get low before God. The angel quickly rebukes him to prevent the mistake and tells John, don't do that. Worship God. But I think if all we see here is a reminder that we, we shouldn't worship angels, I, I think we've missed, at least to some extent, the whole point of Revelation. That the point, the greater point I think we're intended to see here is that anytime we catch even the slightest glimpse of the glory and majesty of Jesus, we can't help but get low and worship. That no person can stand tall in the presence of Christ. When we see Jesus, we get a glimpse of him. When we we sense his presence in our life, we just have an instinctive desire to get low. It's it's my prayer every week as we gather for worship that we would get a glimpse as we study God's word. We get a glimpse of Christ and his glory and we'd all be brought low in the worship of him. That we would never leave this place week in, week out with just heads puffed up full of knowledge, but hearts and minds that have been low before Christ. It's really the key to the victorious Christian life that you'll never know true victory until you bow your entire life before the glory of Christ and worship him. That before you can be a conqueror, you must be conquered by Christ and bow low before him in humble worship. Never stand tall in the presence of Christ until everything in you has been brought low before him. Teaches us to worship Christ in humility. Then look at verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, of the, uh, the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The third thing, Revelation teaches us to proclaim this book. Uh, much of Revelation is written in the backdrop of, drop of, of Daniel. That's why we studied it first. But you remember, Daniel is given prophecy, and Daniel is told that the revelation that, he, that was given to him was for days in the future. And so Daniel was told, seal them up. But here in Revelation, John is told, don't seal them up. In other words, the, the, the time is now that I want you to, to, to warn humanity like a watchman on the wall. That, that this book is the prophecy of things not far distant, but this is a book of the prophecy of next things, of the rapture, of the tribulation, and the return of Christ. So we don't seal it up. The time is, is near. We're in the last days. We're to make this book known. And the sad reality is far too many Christians have no knowledge or understanding of the book of Revelation. And it's an indictment on me and the church as much as it is anything We're called to know this book and proclaim this book. We shouldn't be afraid of Revelation. We should study it. It's a book that comes with a promise of a blessing. That with it comes a warning of the things that are yet to come. Not just a simple understanding of the salvation of Christ, but what is coming for those who reject him. 
So Revelation teaches us to, to proclaim this book. Then look at verse 11. It says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy, and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy keep himself holy. So the fourth thing, Revelation teaches us to be patient. It teaches us to be patient. We read these verses, one who does wrong still do wrong. What are we talking about here? I think the idea is twofold. One, the idea is that the world is going to continue down a path of disobedience and sin. That those who do wrong are gonna continue to do wrong. That, that you and I are not going to usher in the kingdom of God. That this world is going to continue down a path of sinfulness. That things are not gonna get better every day in every way. And not only is the world gonna continue down a path of sinfulness, but there will not be immediate judgment. You ever wonder, you see things going on, you think, God, why don't you just strike these people down with a meteor? Why Why don't you just take all these folks out? And God doesn't bring immediate judgment. We have to be patient. That in this world, that, that Paul the pagan doesn't always fail, and Johnny Christian doesn't always win. And we have to be patient, knowing that one day God will bring justice. But what this also means is that you have to pick a side. You notice here there's two paths. We've been seeing this throughout the book of Revelation. We saw it in the book of Genesis. There's two paths. You remember Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, I wish you were hot or cold. That you can't sit on the fence, you can't be lukewarm. It's a call to either get on board with Jesus on a path that is sometimes difficult, involves suffering, maybe persecution, and maybe even death, but get on board with Jesus down a path that leads to eternal life, or ultimately jump in with the world and head down a path towards sin, but sooner or later you have to pick which path you're on. The book of Revelation is divisive. It's decisive. It calls you to make a decision. Who are you going to follow? That you can't call yourself a Christian and continue down a path of sinfulness and unrighteousness. Uh, Napoleon, one time in an armed battle, uh, there was a, a soldier who was running away from the battle and he grabbed him. He said, son, what's your name? And the soldier said, my name's Napoleon. And Napoleon said to him, son, change your name or change your ways. But you can't have that name and act like that. Listen to me. This book teaches us there can't be fence setters. No lukewarm Christians. At some point, you gotta make a decision about which path you're gonna get on. And the book of Revelation tells us to get on board with Jesus on a path that leads to life. And the other side is to get in the white water of the world down a path that leads to ultimate destruction. You're either with him or against him. You're in or you're out. If you're in, continue down a path of holiness. Pursue holiness and righteousness. Calls us to make a decision. Look at verse 12. Uh, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. 
outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. And this is the fifth thing, that, that, that Revelation makes us sensitive to the judgment of God. Revelation teaches us to be sensitive to the judgment of God. That there is, we see this all over the pages of Revelation, that judgment is coming, a reward for those who know him and a recompense for those who have rejected him. And Christ's reward and judgment is coming and we're called to persevere. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That those of us who know Christ, our hope, our greatest joy is the knowledge that Christ is coming again for us someday. Amen? That's our joy. That's our hope. And we live in the midst of a world that's going the opposite direction. It's tough. It's difficult. We have struggles. And the word of God tells us, knowing God's judgment, you persevere. We see in our day, creation is rejected for evolution. The man is nothing but a bunch of animals. There is no truth. The family is coming apart. The glory of male and female made in the image of God is degraded. Children are abused. Children are murdered in the womb. This world is coming apart at the seams. But the message of Revelation is that does not affect us. They have their rules. We have ours. We have truth. We have the answer for man. We have truth about evil and redemption. We have an answer for moral conduct and the solution to the problem through faith in Jesus Christ. And we persevere. Knowing that there's a day coming. Paul in his instruction to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.1. Listen to this. See if this doesn't sound like our day. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, and the list goes on and on. But listen to this. He says to Timothy, you, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have made known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all scripture is God-breathed. The message to Timothy is, I don't care what the world is doing, you stay faithful. The world around us is coming apart of the seams, but not us. We're gonna hold faithful to God's word regardless of what happens because we know there's a day coming. We stay faithful. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. Says here, he's the one who started this. Listen, he's the one who will also bring it to a close. And he says here, blessed are those who, who wash their robes. This is the confidence that we have in the judgment that we have been washed in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence not in ourselves. We can look at judgment and the return of Christ and we can be joyful, not because we say, boy, look at how good we are. No, but because we've been washed. We've trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to cover our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That Christ is our reward. Not just a reward, but a recompense. You'll notice here, he says, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the immoral, the murderers and the idolaters. You know, you read that initial list and you kind of think, well, I'm doing okay, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a sorcerer. But then he kind of ends it, it kind of gets us all, all those who practice lying. 
Anybody ever hear a total lie? You tell me no, you're lying. You just got yourself caught. We're all guilty. That's the whole point. And the book of Revelation is here to make us sensitive to the judgment. That we're all guilty. We've sinned against the holy God. And you're going to have to stand before him at some point. But you know what the deal is? The world does not like talking about judgment. The world doesn't like talking about accountability whatsoever. It's interesting. You could go to funerals today or, or just see when somebody dies and what's put on social media. It's, it's interesting. When somebody dies, everybody just becomes suddenly a universalist. That we're all just going to heaven regardless of how the person lived. They can live the most pagan, immoral lifestyle and they'll put rest in peace. What are you talking about rest in peace? As if you die and then everything just resolves itself. Listen to me today. There's only one way to have peace in death and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Judgment is coming and there's only one way to have confidence. There's only one way to have peace. There's only one way to have the assurance that you will be with God forever in heaven and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, but what good news, amen? It's not dependent upon our work, but on the work of Christ and our faith in him. What amazing gift. This book creates a great division. There's the blessedness of those who have trusted in Christ and the eternal, you'll see here the, on the outside, the eternal alienation of those who have refused him. Boy, I pray that our study of this book has made us sensitive to the judgment of God. Then look at verses 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I'm the root of, and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit of the bride says, come, and let, those, let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. And this is the sixth thing. The book of, evangel uh, the book of Revelation calls us to evangelism. We've already talked about the urgency, but there's a, there's a necessity within this book to, to, to be evangelistic, to tell people. Christ is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. He's the root of David. And it's, the, it's the fulfillment of the promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7, that one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. You remember Gabriel told Mary, I'll give him the throne of his father David. This is the Messiah. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the bright and morning star. I love this. It's, it's also used in chapter one. You know, a, a morning star is the last star of the evening and the first star of a new day. When you see it, you know that a new day is dawning. It's, it's reveille for those with a military background. That, 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 that a new day is dawning. You know what's interesting? When Christ first arrived... Guess what accompanied his arrival? A star. And guess what will accompany his second coming? A star. A reminder that a new day has dawned in Christ Jesus. Reveille. When I was studying that, I heard, reminded of a story I heard, man, by Graham Lacey. I believe it's public knowledge now. But at the time, Billy Graham was sworn to secrecy and he didn't tell this story until Winston Churchill passed away. But on one occasion, I believe in the 1950s, Billy Graham was leading his crusades in London. And the great prime minister 
Winston Churchill requested to meet with Billy Graham. Billy Graham went to his room. The secretary for the prime minister said, you've only got about 20 minutes. He went into the room and Winston Churchill, he said, just kind of motioned over with an unlit cigar. And he said, Billy, I'm just going to congratulate you on these incredible crowds that just keep showing up night after night after night. And he asked Billy Graham, he said, what causes these people to show up like this night after night? And Billy Graham said, I'll tell you what it is. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Winston Churchill said, I see no hope for the world. I'm a man without hope. Do you have any real hope? Folks, that's like saying sick him to a coon dog. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall? Billy Graham took out his Bible and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And Graham made it a point to say that he didn't just share the good news of Jesus Christ. He told Winston Churchill about God's plan for the future. That Christ was coming back someday. All the while as he shared in that room, he said that Winston Churchill just stared out a window. In fact, at one point in the meeting, somebody came in at his next appointment, and Churchill immediately said, get out of here, I need more time with this man. And Billy Graham prayed with him. And the question that kind of resounds out there is, did Winston Churchill pray to receive Christ? We may not ever fully know until we get to glory. But we do have an indication. At Churchill's memorial service, his funeral service, he made a very specific request. He requested that at his funeral, don't just play taps, also play reveille. It was common knowledge amongst British troops that if a soldier requested reveille to be played, he was a Christian because it was a reminder that death is not the end, that through faith in Jesus Christ, a new day has dawned. Listen, I don't know where you're at today, but we tell you, we have the good news that no matter where you've been or what you've done, there's a new beginning and a fresh start in Jesus Christ. He's the bright and morning star, the one who ushers in a new day. And so we say with John in Revelation, let him who is thirsty come. Let him who is tired come and find rest in Christ. If you're worn out and burdened by the sin of your life, come to Christ. Find freedom. Find forgiveness. Find hope. The book of Revelation compels us, whether it's Churchill or the guy next door or the co-worker or friend, it compels us to tell people about Jesus. Listen, if we know these things to be true, and we do, 
God help us if we keep our mouth shut. Listen to me, if you're here today and you still have breath in your lungs, you are left here for one reason, and that's to proclaim Jesus. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He says, if I'm left here, it's for one reason. It's the reason when we baptize you, we don't just hold you under and send you on to glory. We bring you back out, right? Most of the time, we get you out. Why? Because you got work to do. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You got a new mission. You got a new leader. You got a new king. And now you work for him. And you go to tell the good news that Christ has come. Well, the book ends with a warning. Look at verses 18 through 21. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away from his part, from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. This is the final thing. Revelation calls us to live on every word that God has spoken. Obviously, as we read these verses, there's a warning to those who add or subtract. And it's a good reminder that we have the complete word of God. It's the canonization of scripture. Don't add to this. Meaning if somebody walks out of the woods tomorrow and says they have an additional book or word from God, we reject them. Because we have God's completed work. There's also a reminder here, here not to subtract from God's word. Meaning we cherish all of God's word. We don't unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. That we love Leviticus as much as we love the gospel of Luke. Listen, if I were to come up to you today and take your Bible and begin to tear out a series of pages, I pray that you would be able to say, stop it. Because those pages have changed my life. Listen, if there are parts of your word, the Bible, that you can do without, you might as well go ahead and remove them. A good friend of mine teaches a men's Bible study. He decided I'm going to teach him through the book of Leviticus. Now, that's a brave man. But we're going to go through the book of Leviticus because it's critical. We need to understand it. And in the course of his study, one of the men said, this is boring. And this friend of mine was recalling the story. And just as he was recalling it, you could see the righteous indignation welling up inside of him. And I think his words were, well, I might make it boring. The word of God is the word of God, and it's precious to us, and we will honor it as God's holy word. Listen, we hang on every word of God. We cherish this book. And I pray, one of my prayers, I, I had somebody last night after the Saturday night service said, boy, the revelation, there was parts of it that just kind of went right over me. But she said this, it was so encouraging. She said, but every week I left desiring to read God's word on my own. Folks, I pray, that, that, that is my prayer every week, that our time together in God's word just whets your appetite for more of God's word on your own. That you would long to go to, I'm sharing with you things, some of you have experienced this, God teaches you something in his word, and then you go to tell somebody else, and they look at you like, well, no big deal. 
but the word wasn't for them. God spoke to you in that way. Some of what I've shared with you is emotional to me because it's God working in me. I love proclaiming God's word. But the greatest joy of my life is studying it on my own. Let's live on every word of God. Cherish it. Protect it. Love it. Read it. If you hear nothing else from my life, I pray you've heard these words. Read your Bible. I told my wife, I just want a headstone. I don't want anything on it except three words. Read your Bible, exclamation point. I hope the study of Revelation has changed you as it has changed me. I pray that young and old, we have studied through this and we would be able to say, we'll never be the same. People who worship Christ with more humility and passion people who are more urgent about the mission, people who are more passionate about evangelism, people who live more fully upon God's word, and people who are sensitive to the fact that Christ is coming back. Judgment day is coming. Are you ready? Helen Lamell is a very talented young girl. She was born to a Wesleyan pastor incredibly gifted in the arts and in music. And at a certain age, she desired to further her education and hone her gifts and skills in Europe. And so she moved to Europe, and there she met and married uh, a very wealthy European man. And she was doing quite well until she received the diagnosis that she was going blind. And having gone blind, her husband left her. If anybody had an excuse to grow bitter at God, it was Helen Lamell. You know what she did with the rest of her days? She wrote 500 hymns. Five hundred worship songs. In fact, there was a pastor who grew up. His parents helped take care of Helen Lamell in her later years. He said his dad would sometimes get a call late at night or early in the morning, and he would have to rush to a room because she'd get another song, and he, she couldn't write it down, and he would have to record it for her. And this young pastor said, I had never really had interaction with a blind person before. But I can tell you this, that I know of no one more joyful than Helen Lamell. And she would attribute that joy to one thing. Even though she was physically blind, the eyes of her heart were always fixed on Jesus. The goal of this study, to reveal Christ, to see his glory. And I thought it only fitting to sing one of her most well-known songs, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Pastor Bill, what I'm going to do, I want you to stay seated. 
we're getting ready to take communion. In preparation, would you just listen to the words? I'm just going to read the verses. We're going to sing the chorus together. But just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just focus on Christ? Try to crowd out anything that might be pulling you away from just focus on Jesus. For just a few brief moments here, listen to these words and fix your eyes on Jesus. Oh, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us, sin no more has dominion for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe in him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Let's sing that chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're going to sing it one more time, a cappella, just the voices. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we turn our eyes to Jesus. Jesus, you're our only hope. Jesus, you said to your disciples, as many began to walk away from you, you said to them, are you going to leave too? And they said, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. Jesus, you're our only hope and you're our greatest joy. I pray that we would continue to fix our eyes upon you. You would reveal yourself in your word and we would be more drawn to you, more committed to evangelism, more committed to urgency, more sensitive to judgment, more in love with your word. And God, if there's anybody here that's never trusted in Christ, I pray today, your word says that no one will come to Christ unless the Father who sent him draws them. God, I pray that you would draw some today by your word and by your spirit. I pray that they've seen Jesus. They're so overwhelmed by his love, his grace, his salvation that they couldn't help but run to him. Lord, we love you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.